Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome, one and all, to TGI Football on the SB Nation NFL Show, sponsored by DraftKings. Stay tuned because you'll hear more about DraftKings and all it has to offer throughout the show. DraftKings, the crown is yours. As noted, this is the SB Nation NFL Show. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, Apple devices, Spotify, etc., etc. We would love to know what speed you listen to our beautiful baritone voices on, by the way. Uh, at Brandon Gowton, at Steven Serta, at R. Joe Cho. I just realized that the three of us are just nice and simplistic with our Twitter handles. You can also watch us on uh, the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Um, there, you don't have an option to um, change the, the speed. You just got to watch it nice and slow. It's one not end. true. Is it? Really? <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, YouTube has play, uh, speed options. Is that true, Steven? I have no yeah. idea. Um, 100% I'm does. Believe. Are, are y'all's Twitter handles your names? I, I assumed that off of memory. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well, well okay. I mean, first and last name for me, no middle. Doesn't fit too long. One character too long on Twitter if I did Brandon Lee Gowden. Um, interesting. I don't think that you can fast forward or accelerate or change the pace of YouTube videos, BLG. Yeah, you can. You can I mean, you can do this with like most things. You can do this on, I'm sure, like Netflix. Can you do it with whatever. Netflix? No, you can't. Yeah, you can. Can you can. do it, you do it with HBO Max? No. Yes, you, you can. can. can I mean, I don't, I don't know HBO no. specifically. I don't use that. But like with Netflix or Disney Plus, one of those two, if not both, have that option. That's I know on YouTube, like on your on the mobile app, you can for sure like fast forward. I don't know. I don't know not, about like on. A I'm desk. not talking about fast forwarding to be clear. Yeah, I'm playback speed. The, yeah, the okay. play. So yeah. I don't know about that. I'm not. I'm not a one and a half. One hundred percent. Hey, I should talk really fast, so then it'd be really annoying for the people who are listening on one point five <laughs> yeah. to hear this. Uh, 1.5 is, is tough uh, to handle. I've talked about before. I wish that I could distinguish. Like, I wish I could up, you know, like decimal points. Like, it, like a, you know, you could set your alarm on your phone. You to, like, can, whatever. depending on what podcast app you use. There's like ones okay, that do it. Mr. At, like, I have an answer one. for everything. How about you just you let everybody me. chill? I mean, just, you know, let's just I mean, all be cool. Welcome to 2024. Um, I, uh, I missed last week, but you both will be happy to know that I correctly predicted the winner of the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, Stephen. Congratulations to the hometown team. Uh, what has um, the last week been like? Obviously, there was the shooting throughout the Super Bowl parade that casted a, a negative shadow over what was originally uh, a purely happy and, and joyous uh, moment for Kansas City and for Chiefs fans. Yeah, um, obviously, that's not how anybody was, was hoping a day of celebration would end in Kansas City. Um, it's been a tough couple of days, um, but you know, everybody's doing their, their best to try to band together as a, a community here in Kansas city and, and, and try to like, uh, find a sense of normalcy, which has been kind of tough the last couple of days for sure. Um, it's, you know, we're only, we're less than a week removed from the Super Bowl, and it already feels like it was like weeks ago because of the events of this week. Um, 
but uh you know it's it's a it's a it's a sorry state we're we're living in right now in, in this country and it, and it sucks that everybody's got to live through this and live this way but uh but you know the chiefs did win a super bowl um I, i'm excited to talk about it i've only gotten to talk about it a couple of times this week because of the events so uh it's been rough well, I, the Arrowhead Pride team has done a, a great job of, of covering a really difficult situation, Stephen. So kudos to you and yours. Um, the SBNation.com team, if anybody is looking for any information on what has happened and any information to follow, I know you all and the .com team will take care of that. It's difficult, BLG, to just kind of go back to the football of it all, but we are now in the off season for everybody with the Super Bowl finally over. Um, it does feel like it took place a very long time ago. I think some of that might just be the attrition of who the Chiefs are. And, you know, oh, the Chiefs won again? What a surprise. What a shock. They're the best. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest. Uh, also, just the build-up to the Super Bowl. I feel like it's just it takes forever to get here every year. Stephen, I think, can relate to that. We were saying that last week on the show or before the show or after the show at some point. By the way, uh, Stephen won our over-under competition. Shout-out to him for that. Uh, the listeners slash the voters, whoever participated in the polls on the SBNation.com article. I did finish in second and I finished in last. Although I think it was a good battle because some of those over-unders like came down like right to the line. Uh, so that's kind of good. We were setting the lines competitively. So uh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, I guess one of the most, uh, I don't know, telling or it, it just seemed different to me, especially maybe I wasn't as tuned into it last year when the Chiefs beat the Eagles, but uh, like right after, <laughs> you know, the Chiefs win and Mahomes is talking, it's just like, you know, the post-game interview on the field, he's talking about number three already. Like It wasn't even like, hey, we're happy we won this one. It's like, we're doing, we're three, we're doing it. We're And I know a lot of, you know, people who say win the Super Bowl say that, like, oh, we're going to do it next year. But I don't know. It seemed like different to me. It seemed like a, a, a differently, entirely different focus and energy focused on doing it yet again yeah steven i thought the i mean the game went to overtime and that kind of i think uh created part of the like rushedness of the original or the initial like post game stuff um but when mahomes was talking to tracy wolfson like right away i mean it, it just felt like he was like oh yeah we're dynasty but we have more to go like it just it felt so yeah. like it felt so simple and matter of fact and obvious and like it's been this way the whole time when this is a remarkable achievement i think he really cares a lot about being recognized as like, I want to be the greatest football player ever, not just Good for him. the greatest quarterback. Like I, I think that legitimately means a lot to him. And I do get frustrated with him sometimes because he's so humble about it publicly. And, <laughs> but we hear like uh, these stories about him, like behind the scenes and what like a uh, competitive psychopath he is, but he won't ever show that publicly whatsoever. And, and and he's just he's insane. And, it, and it's crazy that the takeaway from this is like you don't have to invest in wide receivers now because the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl like that. It's like, no, like you don't understand. Like this has been years in the making. And the only reason they won is one, their defense that they have heavily invested in through the draft and hit on multiple picks, like guys that are significant contributors. They also have a future Hall of Famer in Chris Jones, who is one of the greatest playoff performers that we have seen on the defensive side of the ball over the, over this five year run. And they're just, and yeah, they, they don't have a lot of pass catchers, but they still have Travis Kelsey. Like you should still invest in wide receivers. You should still try to stack your rosters because nobody has Patrick Mahomes. Nobody has a guy that, 
can get the ball in overtime of a Super Bowl after the 49ers kick a field goal to take the lead. And you're like, it's over. Like you don't you don't have a chance of stopping that guy and keeping that guy from scoring and going and winning this game, because I feel like that was kind of the consensus feeling in that game. Like when Mahomes gets the ball with an opportunity to go win the Super Bowl, everybody was like, he's going to do it. And I think Brady is the only other guy that you could have definitively said that about in that circumstance. And Mahomes is already in that realm. It's just, it, it's insane. Brandon, I know that you have um, not, not enjoyed um, the world coming for the 49ers this week and, and kind of taking their shots at, at Kyle Shanahan and Debo and whoever the case may be. I feel like we all said like the obvious things on, on Monday and about, you know, taking the ball first in overtime, but in the time since then, um, at least in the time since I've done a show on the NFL show feed, um, the the mic'd up things came out and it just like got worse. I feel like the, the fact that Kyle Juszczyk is literally getting his helmet on. He's like, oh, I didn't know this. Like, that's crazy. And, and like and that the Chiefs players were like, I wouldn't say laughing at them, but like that they were like, well, this went the way, exact way we wanted. Like it's if it, it, it possible, it amplified how bad this whole situation looks for Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I, I'll go back to saying that I don't really think it was the decision itself as much like, you know, a lot. there's a lot of discussion about how like analytical data and whatnot makes it a pretty kind of like a 50-50 in terms of what's the right thing to do. Again, I personally do agree with the Chiefs. I like getting it. I'd rather get it second, but I think there is uh, it's not as just so obvious as some people have been making it out to be. But the problem is, you know, again, the fourth down strategy, if you're going to kick the field goal there, it's just it's so hard for me to believe I was talking to the stats about this, our good friend stats uh, with him. And it's just like, what are you going to regret more? Are you going to regret? Like, like there's just like a fundamental and this goes into the whole fourth down and the mentality of it. And like, you're, you're going to regret believing in yourself and your players. That's what you're going to regret by going for it there. Like that's really what you're going to worry about as opposed to like, you think you're actually going to regret it less that you gave it to Mahomes with a chance to win the game. Like which one of those things are you going to regret more? So uh, yeah, I think that's the bigger issue. The fact that again, um, and just to for him to go for it earlier in the game, it, shockingly in a fourth down situation. Well, then how do you not do it again? Like, why would you do it there, but not later? It just doesn't make any sense. Steven, um, on the chief side of things, and we have 10 questions, by the way, related to the entire offseason that we're about to get to. But um, it always felt like some of the crowning of Mahomes and the Chiefs was, I wouldn't say premature, but the just, you know, the hardware, whatever you want to call it, wasn't totally there to, to justify all of the overwhelming accolades. I mean, some of it was. But it's it's finally there. Like, I mean, it really is Kansas City and then a massive gap before the conversation even begins across the rest of the league. Yeah, this was their down season. And I've talked to you guys about it a ton. Like there was points this season offensively where they were a train wreck, like mm -hmm. could not do anything, could not accomplish anything, couldn't couldn't run a, a, a functional offense whatsoever. Like couldn't run just regular Andy Reed type of plays because guys didn't know where they were supposed to go. They didn't know what the motion was like. They didn't know what they were doing, but their defense all season long, I guess because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and, and all of the notoriety and headlines that that side of the ball created, this defense was overlooked all season. And I kept being like, this defense is one of the absolute best defenses in the NFL. And mm -hmm. their defense was just as important in this playoff run as Patrick Mahomes and, and everything that Mahomes accomplished and all of the clutch moments that he had throughout this playoff run. Like they don't get there with any of it. They don't hang around in that Super Bowl 
without the defense shutting down Christian McCaffrey and totally putting the clamps on George Kittle and, and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like this defense was special this season. And, and, you know, next year there's going to be all this made about Chiefs have to invest in wide receiver and they've got some other question marks and they got to figure out the offense. And I'm confident that they'll address that in some way, whether it's through the draft or, or a veteran or, or whatever, they'll, they'll make it work. And Travis Kelsey is going to come back and, He'll still be good, but like we can definitively say at this point too that the Chiefs, we have a large sample size of this throughout the Patrick Mahomes era now where 2018 was the first season where teams were trying to figure him out and it, and they didn't really. And then we've seen this slow progression of figuring him out, figuring him out, and then he has to adjust his game. And then they did all of that this season where they were going through the regular season just figuring things out, just trying to say, we just got to make sure that we can do it in the playoffs. And I don't think they had anything figured out until week 17 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like I, I legitimately do not believe that they had their offense figured out until week 17 of the regular season. And they were like, okay, we've got it now. This is the formula. We can win with this. We can play elite level defense and we can score just enough points to win like this. And they finally did it. Now, if the offense gets better and the defense takes a step back, well, you still have Patrick Mahomes. And that's been a recipe for success every other season besides this one. And now they've proven that they can adapt in any way that they have to, as long as they can get to the playoffs and go on a run, they can beat anybody in a one game sample size. And I, I don't know how you beat it if you're the rest of the NFL. I don't know how you feel good about that Super Bowl if you're anybody other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Must be nice, Stephen. I have That's a question. Nice. It's not one of our off-season questions, but it's like, wow. Why? And I think Dan Quinn did a good job in Dallas, to be fair. But why is Dan Quinn getting a second head coaching job, and like Spags isn't? Like this is. This like, why is would you want Dan Quinn over Spags? Thing, like we we talk about Kyle Shanahan and his decision making, which that's another thing. Every for weeks now throughout the playoff run, we were like, Kyle Shanahan is going to make a bad decision in this game. That is guaranteed, and it popped up in every single one of their playoff matchups. The Chiefs just get to run it back with this coaching staff. <laughs> and they might add Eric Bieniemy back in a role because now <laughs> right. he's just a free agent again. Like the the fact that I don't know if it's just everybody thinks that Andy Reid is just the mastermind behind all of this, but like Andy Reid doesn't call defensive plays. Steve Spagnolo <laughs> is one of the best defensive minded coaches in the NFL history. And they're just letting the Chiefs run it back. Joe Colin, their defensive line coach, mm -hmm. who's a tremendous coach was getting DC offers. And he said, no, I want to stay in Kansas city because of what they got going on over there. Dave Merritt, one of the best DB coaches in the NFL's gotten DC offers and has chosen to stay in Kansas city. I don't understand how the NFL is allowing this to happen. Well, also Andy Reid is like a successful coaching tree. It's not like the Belichick yeah. thing where it's like, Oh, all these assistants suck. It's like, no, this has been borne out that like Andy has had a successful assistants go on to be head coaches elsewhere. So yeah, that's just, that's not fair. It's very unfair. I think it's a combination of, to your point, Stephen, the assumption that it's just Andy and Mahomes and everybody else is along for the ride, and people like people get idle hands and like waiting, waiting, waiting. I mean, it's it's hard for teams to wait. You know, the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl every year. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to wait that extra, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, five weeks to you know interview and think, and you know that's that's a month. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's month so short sighted though. It's just it, like. It, Okay. It is, but we're but we're all humans, and that's what's interesting. Yeah. I'm not um, saying you're wrong. I just think it's dumb. I um to kind of close, you know, or tie a bow on it all. The defense really has been the story. I thought all as as December wore on. Anytime like people talk about the Chiefs' defense, um, I thought of a tweet from I think he works at six ten. Stephen Alex Gold, is that correct? 
um, yes. I saw a tweet of his that was like, it was the night that the Chiefs played the Eagles, and he was like, tonight is the night that everybody learns that the Chiefs have a Super Bowl defense. And then they lost that game and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I remember thinking like, maybe that was like a correct point. Like as the seat is like, you know, weeks wore on and on and on and on. It's unfair. It's really, really frustrating. And it's it's so unfair because you would think that like maybe Chris Jones would leave and he'd get a bag or whatever and like, you know, whatever. But now it's just like, now it's like, well, I have to get a fourth. You know, I can't be the one guy who misses out on this whole, right. you know, kind of thing. Because right now, speaking of four, there's a core four that has been a part of it all. It's him, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Reed. And if you can be a part of that, like, it pays. Like, look at the life Julian Edelman lives right now. Not that he's not, you know, a good podcast or whatever. But, like, if you're a part of a dynasty, like, you get to live forever in a lot of ways. So, um, it sucks, Stephen. It really sucks. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. <laughs> um, uh, we have 10 questions, and we've already talked for 16 minutes, so some of these got to mm. be a little, little quick. I'll go first, if that's okay with you all, since BLG volunteered to go last. Does that work? I mean, we'll rotate, right? But yeah, my, I want to go my final <laughs> question. I want to have the final question. Yes. We all understand what you want. Uh, my first question: What if these? This is mine. Are all kind of like what if things? What if the Chicago Bears don't trade Justin Fields mm. and draft Caleb Williams? Because I feel like we're, we're only considering like what you know, one of them being on the roster when the classic kind of thing for the lame duck head coach situation, which bums me out because I like Matt Eberflus a lot, would be to like bring in uh, to draft Caleb Williams and then be like. Oh, well, he's going to sit and learn behind Justin Fields. And then we have this super awkward, you know, situation throughout all the training camp. So, Steven, I put it to you. What if? I actually don't think mm. that is a bad <laughs> idea, but it's not going to happen because they have a lame duck head coach because they decided to run it back with Matt Eberflus instead of just bringing in a, a new coaching staff because a new coaching staff is afforded the the chance of like, okay, this is a two to three year thing. And so we could do it like that. See what we have in Justin Fields. And if he goes out and he performs really well, when we actually are finally building something in Chicago. And I, and I, you know, I, I don't think that Justin Fields is like an elite NFL quarterback, but I think he has shown enough that he can be an effective NFL starter if given the right opportunity. And I think that the bears have done a poor job of building things uh, around him for the most part. 
But when you have, when you run it back with this head coach and you're changing offensive coordinators and changing members on your staff, like that's going to make the biggest difference in the world. When I don't think any of us think that they have a good situation going right now with their head coach and that, and, and that staff anyway, like, I, I think that there, there's a little bit of desperation. And so I don't think you can wait on that and, and hope that Justin Fields has a, a big year and then you can trade him for a first round pick instead of a second round pick or whatever. And then you've got Caleb Williams waiting in the wings and, and hope that he like develops like Patrick Mahomes did behind Alex Smith. Like, I just don't think that they can afford to wait for it. I, I don't think that they have that luxury this season. I also don't think Caleb Williams is on board with that. Like, I think he's forcing a trade out. If you're like, you're sitting me, I'm the number one overall pick. I'm not sitting behind Justin Fields or competing for a job with him when Justin Fields is what, 10 and 28 or whatever in his 38 starts. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's just not happening. It's also not, uh, it's just, no, it's not happening. And the Bears will be suckers to keep them. You move on, you turn the page. Uh, even to if be, you think to be clear, just, just it, I, I I probably posited the question because what if like nobody is is like a taker for Justin Fields? Like we are all I just mean, like oh like Atlanta's going to trade for him. Like what if nobody does? Like that that leads to this potential possibility. No, there's there's a team that'll be willing to give up something. And actually, that's my I had this also uh, a little bit different. It's where is Justin Fields starting next year? So that's is this kind of officially my a question? question. Yeah, I just figured okay, it would. So we're, at, we're at two. I just want to keep the there. counter going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think for the purposes of entertainment, we should each pick different answers that we seem to be, you know, we deem to be conceivable. So, Stephen, you can go first. Uh, I hope it's for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, yeah. That's a team that I've mentioned on here before, and now there is a report supposedly that they're interested in him. I didn't think that Pittsburgh like is an organization. They, the Steelers, really feel like they're stuck in the early two thousands, like still trying to build a roster the same way, like still still trying to to win with defense, even though their defense hasn't come close to the level that it really was when they were winning Super Bowls that way. And I, I didn't think that they were going to be aggressive enough to go and do it, but there's reports out there that they are interested in it. And mm. I think that's actually a great landing spot for him. I, I don't love that they hired Arthur Smith as their OC. And that, again, I, I don't understand why Mike Tomlin struggles so much to, to hire uh, uh, offensive coordinators. but. I, I do think that they've got players there. Like they've got, they've got a system in place and he's got some weapons there that would be better than anything that he's had during his time in Chicago. And so I think there's a path to success there for him. I, I would, I would really like to see Justin Fields land with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll go Atlanta just because they're a really heavy favorite as well. And it makes sense. They do feel the most like quarterback E away E team. I mean, just with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, I mean, conceivably, obviously Bijan, I, I mean, th that might be the, the opportunity for the most success. Um, I do think Pittsburgh would be cool, Stephen, but Atlanta just feels right um, in some sense. I don't know if you have a third, you know, kind of dark horse option, Brandon. Say so the Raiders. I mean, you know, Luke Getze yeah. goes there to be their offensive coordinator, reunites <laughs> with Justin Fields. Luke's probably Vegas. like, not again, man. I'm I'm free. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. I, I mean, say the Raiders are, and th this is going to fall apart really fast with Antonio Pierce. They've made some really bad decisions so far. Wow. <laughs> Um, I like the Pierce hiring for them, especially after, you know, I feel like this kind of had to, too, after not going with, um, what's his name? The special teams court, Versace, the last time. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say the Raiders for Justin Fields, who, by the way, uh, breaking news, like not too long before this podcast, Jimmy G uh, suspended first two That's games right. of the next season. Also <clears throat> going to obviously be cut by the Raiders. A little interested to see where I guess he goes next as a backup, probably. But um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll say the Raiders for Justin Fields. And then, you know, that way. 
uh, it's a competition in theory, I guess, with Aiden O'Connell too. But uh, I think they're a team that makes sense from him in terms of they're a little bit in no man's land, and they'll probably be willing to give up uh, the most compensation for him. Steven, before you offer us your first question, can you also share with the listening audience um, how successful our same game parlay props were every season? Every week, not every season. Although every season, I guess, technically works. <laughs> um, so I don't have the numbers of like how many we, we won or, or whatever. So <laughs> totally right. successful at that. But I think um, it was three. I think it was three. I don't know if they want me to actually like put the actual number. Okay, you don't have to put the there. number, but <clears throat> but you can uh, say Terry just ge- generalize it. You know what I'm saying? Like just let um, them know it was you know rather successful. We had a very successful season uh, with you guys choosing to ride with us on uh, our DraftKings same game parlays each and every week. So we're very cool. thankful to all of you for and, doing it because you put a lot of faith in us, even though you didn't have to, and we certainly didn't deserve it all the time. And, and hopefully you put the biggest bets on the weeks we won and made a profit across the entire season as a whole. But hopefully you knew which ones to do the way we knew that what props to lean on every single week. <laughs> um, okay, Steven, your first question. Um, so I, I'm going to go back to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I do think this is a big offseason for them. Um, they've got the most free agents that they've had in a while this offseason. And... Uh, a few weeks ago, like, you know, when we're in the early playoff run for the Chiefs, I was like, Legereus Need is the guy you got to bring back. I love Chris Jones. He's going to be a Ring of Honor member for the Kansas City Chiefs one day. But he, he's been very open about the amount of money that he wants. And, and it was a big holdup in last offseason. And it really kept the Chiefs from being able to make some moves um, because they didn't know what they had in Chris Jones. And and that all the money that was tied up in that because, you know, he held out week one of the NFL season. But then Chris Jones goes to the Super Bowl parade and pulls a wolf of Wall Street and says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in Kansas City. Um, and this is, you know, they haven't had contract talks, I, maybe a little bit, but they haven't agreed to anything yet. So before the Super Bowl, I was really like, it's it's bring back Legereus Sneed. As much as it sucks, you got to let Chris Jones walk and, and see what else you can do in free agency and the NFL draft. And after the Super Bowl, I'm like, do whatever you got to do to bring back Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones. Um, because, man, he Chris Jones was just so dominant in the playoffs for the Chiefs. And he was such a difference maker. And, and I, I talked about the Super Bowl caliber Chiefs defense – and the other free agents that they have hitting the market this season, like it's uh, Mike Dana, it's Willie Gay, it's Drew Tranquil, it's Mike Edwards. Like it, it, it's really solid depth players, but I think guys that you can get around not being on your team next year because you have young players and George Karloftis who took a huge step this season. You got Charles Amenahu who unfortunately tore his ACL, but he'll be back at some point next season. Yeah, Felix and DK Uzama, who was a first round pick who barely played this year because they just didn't really have a spot for him. So if you think he can take a big step, like I think that the pieces are there in the Chiefs defensive line and on their sec and in their secondary young players that they've drafted and developed that if you bring back Snead and you bring back Jones with the already like elite playmakers that you have on the defensive side of the ball, we could be talking about this Chiefs defense and is just as dominant next season if they find a way to bring both these guys back. So I'm at a point where it's. Do whatever you have to do, figure it out, make it work, get those guys back on the team because I want it. I want like a Legion of Boom era run for the Chiefs defense. Now, 
it is funny to me how like <clears throat> you know that's something like what you're saying steven is like what chiefs fans you know are like tuned into as opposed to that's not like you know so much as the national conversation of more just mahomes and everything and, and spags even at a higher level um but it is kind of like it's just funny to me because it's just like i don't want to spoil my last point which has to do with the chiefs spoiler alert but uh it's just it's funny to me like the in the weeds chief stuff that does matter in theory like it's, it's obviously what you're tracking as a chief saying throughout the offseason but i just think it's it's, it's something that is uh, certainly obviously unique to the in-depth knowledge as opposed to the top-down stuff. Um, this is a, like, I, it feels like the Chiefs have already kind of been through the cycle um, the dynasties go through. Like, they've been hated. They've been annoying. They've they've actually had moments of, like, whining and complaining. Like, the uh, the Tony situation this, this season was kind of like the peak of that. Um, so like the last thing that they have left to do to kind of fully become the Patriots is the like, oh, of course that player took less to go play for them. You know, of course, you know, so-and-so wound up with them. Like, I know you're talking about the defensive side of the ball, but like, oh, of course Mike Evans is going to, you know, take a, a, you know, a low market deal to go like chase a ring, whatever. Like th- this is, this defense is going to be fine. And I think that I anticipate the Steven and Chris Jones and everybody coming back. Cause why, how could you not like wh- where, where else would you rather go? I think that, you know, this is different. And we were talking about this on the radio this week, but like, I'm not trying to dog the, you know, like uh metropolis of Kansas city, Steven, but I mean, I think you would agree that the last, I don't know, 10 years have seen it really kind of blossom and really kind of become this this big sports-centric area. And obviously a big part of that is Mahomes and the influx of money and attention and whatever. And like it is becoming like a thing. Like it's it's like happening in a way that like like Boston was already like this rabid sports town before the Patriots dynasty is my point. Like I don't know if this yeah. this point I'm tracking makes sense, but like it's becoming a hotbed of activity in a very, very unique way to where like of course people are gonna want to be there and gonna want to stay and gonna want to be a part of the ride. Yeah, Kansas City has World Cup games coming in a few years. Matches. They, they wouldn't matches. have got that a few They're years. They're matches, Steven. Matches, whatever. Um, yeah, Kansas City was not going to get World Cup matches a few years ago, and the World Cup's going to be in Kansas City here in a few years. I mean, that's the point. So you're really worried about, like, Legereus Sneed leaving? You know, you got the World Cup. You're going to have Legereus Sneed. You know? All right. The, ex- number... the expression is often you can have your cup and you're Legereus Sneed, too. Um, What's okay. question number four? <laughs> Um, mine is what team, cause I've thought about this from a Cowboys perspective and I'm not saying that they're the answer, but what team can Derrick Henry join mm. and, and become <sighs> what the hell and become like, or, or continue to be Derrick Henry. He's, he's the clear exception, right? Like when it comes to running backs and like not necessarily slowing down or anything like that, the way we've seen it happen with other players, et cetera, et cetera. So like, what is the home that Derrick Henry finds to where he is like, the same guy and he helps them become even greater and like it where it actually works the way you know these vintage you know deals used to before running backs didn't matter this is very concerning to me how similar our (laughs) questions are so far mine was a bigger one it was you know we talked qb carousel every you're not going to answer it interesting you're just going to completely hijack the question no, I'm gonna get this is touches on it. It's just a Steven, bigger can, scope. I need a ruling from Steven if this is fair or not, because I, I didn't even get an answer to my question. Um, I'm gonna get into it. Yeah, I'm I just mean, setting up my portion wow. of it too. Steven. Which is again, we talk about QB carousel. This is RB carousel because it feels like to me, maybe I'm overthinking it or not right about this, but it feels to me like between Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler and DeAndre Swift, and I forgot that JK Dobbins, who's 
you know, been hurt a lot, but is averaging 5.8 yards per carry when he's been healthy, like really good. He's a free agent too. So, and all of those players for the most part, and this sounds obvious, but you associate them, especially except with the exception of DeAndre Swift, you associate them so much with that team they played for. It's going to be like weird seeing those players potentially maybe all it's, it's conceivable that all those players could be playing for another team next year and none of them return to their current team. So that's really interesting to me. Um, to answer your question, RJ, does Derek? Let, let me let me remake the question to kind of merge these two together. First of all, I think it's hilarious that you likened DeAndre Swift to all these players and the, the success that they've had. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, so was like like, the, what fifth in rushing last year? He had a okay, really so good he was year great for year. like nine games before Nick Sirianni decided he hated him. Anyway, so like, who are the teams that stand the most to legitimately gain from getting a piece of the running back carousel? Whether that and like the top of the carousel, so to speak. Yeah. Whether that's Derrick Henry. Saquon, Austin Eckler, like define it with however you like with whichever player. Like, you know, if the, you know, I don't know if the like Colts signed one of these players, I don't think any of that's a bad example, but you get my point. Like none of us are like really moved by that. Um, mm. I have one answer to my own question. Maybe I should just give it. Imagine Derek Henry on the Texans. Would that not yeah. be like the fun, the most fun thing of all time? I think, I think that's a good spot for him. I think the Ravens would be a good spot for him. And I also think the Chargers low key mm, would be interesting yes. with, with Harbaugh and like think back to like what he did with Frank Gore. Like I, I feel like mm. he would love to get a guy like Derrick Henry in there and just give him the ball 25 times a game. I like the Texans one because then the, you know, well, uh, wait, the Texans, who's the, the Texans should have the Oilers throwback, but don't write the Titans wear it. This isn't that complicated. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking in my mind that never mind. All right. Anyway, uh, I like the Chargers one a lot. And I think one of my questions was going to be Harbaugh. I did not have that on here, but I'm interested to see like, how does Harbaugh like make his imprint? Like, and is this the move? Would that be like the signature move? It's like, okay, this is what really now I should mention here. I was looking at the, cap situations for all the teams and the chargers are one of the like i don't know six seven eight teams that are way over the cap so they have a bit of work to do i don't know if they can offer derrick henry the most money but i also don't know what kind of money these guys are going to get you know we've been talking about for years running backs don't matter whatever uh interested and because there are so many big names on the market that doesn't seem to really help their case but uh if there's going to be an exception it could be derrick henry so then i guess we technically got your question in too so that's five questions through right yep okay steven number six is it cheese related um, no but <laughs> it, it kind of like what blg just mentioned it, it's kind of i i i want to see if the veteran wide receiver market settles down um mm. because this is kind of one of those weird off seasons where there's a lot of veteran wide receivers that could potentially be available this off season once free agency opens but it's if you follow any draft expert, they're like, this is like the deepest wide receiver class that we've ever seen. And so I, I think that we really saw these wide receiver contracts balloon in the last couple of years. And there's inevitably going to be an off season where I think when that happened, like there was a lot of like, what are the Jags doing with Christian Kirk? Like there's a lot of these guys that you're like, that guy doesn't deserve $18 million a year, $20 million a year or whatever. And I have to imagine that that's going to come back down to earth at some point. And so like guys, like I, I don't think Michael Pittman's necessarily going anywhere, but like Mike Evans, see what happens with him at his age. I know he was still incredible last season. Like Calvin Ridley is somehow, this is his first uh, free agent period of his career, but he's like 29 years old. Like I, I just don't think that the veteran market is going to be as high as it is, uh, is usually anticipated because the draft class is so deep this year. 
so CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, all eligible for new deals. They're obviously not who you're talking about, right? You're talking about yeah. one of the guys who ultimately move. I think that to your point, like maybe T Higgins isn't getting like a bag branded. You know what I mean? Like maybe mm. he's the victim of all of this know. just because of the circle. And not that he's not worth it, but because it's, you know, there's such a surplus of wide receivers, both in the draft. And even if you don't wind up with T Higgins, maybe you do wind up with, you know, Mike Evans and, and you feel like it's totally worth it. Mm. I think Evans stays in Tampa, but I mean, awesome player to be able to sign just the consistency. Yeah. I think, it it does seem like Higgins can't be back in Cincy, right? Like just that's not how they operate in terms of pay, paying players, especially to beat the the market. And he's arguably, if he's not like the top free agent, you know, because you can talk about you know, what Kirk and everything, and we'll see if he gets to the market. But he's going to be one of the very best players, I think, on the market. Um, so I'm pretty interested to see where Higgins goes. And like like the Ravens like way overpaid Odell Beckham last year. Like I, I don't think know if that kind of stuff is gonna happen this offseason. Yeah, that's fair. Um okay, we have six questions left. There are three of us, so we each have to go at least one more time. And one of us has to go to that was number six. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know that we've done the best job at counting. I have one more, but you I said can we get had to six two. left. And you said, no, you we said have, that I'm was sorry, we're, six. We're, yeah, we're I'm sorry, we're through six. We have four right. left. That means yes. at least at least one each, but Somebody gets two. So, Brandon, you can go, and then Steve and I will go, and then you'll have your last one, your precious last one. You want me to go now? Yeah, but this okay. is not your last one, so don't yeah, mess up. Yeah, it's my penultimate okay. question, okay. if you will. Not the penultimate, but my penultimate. How will the Eagles shape their defense to Vic Fangio's mold? Because the last time the Eagles had this veteran defensive coordinator who came in, it was Jim Schwartz back in was that 2016 now. And the Eagles made a bunch of moves in free agency that were like kind of, oh, we're going to sign Nigel Bradham. We're going to bring in Leotis McKelvin. They brought like a lot of guys from the Buffalo defense that Jim Schwartz had to him, to Philly. And like it was clear that like they gave Jim Schwartz a certain level of control over personnel. And that was also reported as well. Not that Howie Roseman isn't ultimately pulling the strings, but he's certainly um, acquiescing to what the defensive coordinator wants. So kind of interested to see what that looks like for the Eagles here. Like, does Justin Simmons get traded uh, from the Broncos? He's on the last year of his deal, and the Broncos can clear a lot of cap space if they either cut him or trade him, which I think the latter, I guess, would make more sense. But uh, it's not even about making the Eagles defense into what the Chiefs just had or this elite unit. It's about bringing them back to some level of respectability after being such a disaster last year and going through the Matt Patricia experience. So I guess I'm just intrigued to see. Because uh, offensively, it's not about they're really going to they're, like they're going to have the same players for the most part. Maybe they had a third wide receiver, but it's more about the coaching on that side of the ball On the defensive side of the ball. It's about everything. It's about new coaching and also new personnel on that side of the defense. They have a decision to make potentially with James Bradbury and what they're going to do with him. Um, so th they need linebackers. There's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of directions that Eagles could go uh, on defense, both in the draft and free agency and everything. So, I'm interested to see how their person and also I'll throw this in there. Hassan Reddick potential of him getting traded. So it could be a really new look defense for them next year. Steven. That's all I've got. <laughs> um, I feel like yeah. you're the person most equipped to handle this question, by the way. So it's interesting <laughs> that you're asking it to us, but Steven, I didn't course. ask anything. I just, that's my question. In general. Um, it is curious, like the Hassan Reddick stuff and like the, the Eagle secondary obviously was not good this season. And it's like, 
Darius Slay is like, is that the only guy that you really want to have back? And do you even want to have him back because he didn't have the greatest season? Like mm. the Eagles really bet on that secondary playing it, it, it the same or up to the level that they did the season before. And it just didn't happen. And the linebackers, obviously, like, um, you know, you spent a reasonably high draft pick on a player like Nicobe Dean, and he just hasn't played at all, really. Like, you don't even have any idea what you have in him at the linebacker spot. So, mm. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of questions and they've got to figure a lot of things out. Yeah, I do anticipate a an active offseason on the defensive side of the ball. Whoever that winds up being, like, maybe there are a handful of new corners that come in. Maybe they do just, you know, move on or try to try to move on. I mean, obviously, that, that's how he's expertise. But, like, I would not be shocked if there's four or five new defensive starters on the Eagles next season. I mean, I don't know if you think that that is too high of a mark, Brandon. But, like, I mean, like, they, they have to do something. I mean, they're they're and they're the type of team that, when they have to do something does mm-hmm. do something it might fail but you know what i mean like they're not going to sit and just like completely run this back and expect it to be different just because yeah and do we get like that one move that's like the howie roseman move and, and that doesn't mean it's actually like good or not but it's like oh howie season of, of course like howie yeah, yeah right. why do you pick up the phone when howie calls right yeah. so i guess you can lump that in there too steven do you want to go next me these are our last questions so. uh sure um for me, it's it's really kind of about the AFC as a whole. My final question is just like, what do you do to compete with the Chiefs? Because I think the AFC is going to look pretty different next year. Um, and there's so many question marks. Like, I think right now, just kind of looking at the overall standings, like I feel like the only team in the AFC that I am extremely confident will be right back in the mix next season is the Baltimore Ravens. It's like... Mm. The Bengals defense took a huge step back this year. They got to figure things out with T Higgins and they've got to address that defense and they got to end and their offensive line still not particularly good. And Joe Burrow's coming off of a significant injury. Uh, Buffalo has got a bunch of questions to answer this offseason because their cap situation is not particularly great because they went all in for this kind of three year window and didn't win anything with it. The Dolphins did the same thing last season and like Houston's in a really good spot, but then Jacksonville, who was supposed to be a contender, like kind of fell on their faces this season. And I don't think Jacksonville right now, like obviously the NFL draft can change things, free agency, whatever. But as of right now, like going into next season, I'm not confident that Jacksonville's going to be as good as they were this year. And this year wasn't good enough. Like, I, I just feel like there's tons of question marks across the AFC about every team, except for the Chiefs and except for the Ravens. I think that's really fair. Um, my money would be the, the team, the AFC team I have the most confidence in acknowledging that the Chiefs exist in their own universe is probably the Bengals, honestly. Yeah. Um, like I, I'm willing to, it, it is a bit of a benefit of the doubt, but I'm, I'm willing to extend it to them. And that's why, like, even to your point, Brandon, about T Higgins and how they don't like pay players, like they've really changed that. Like, like they've literally changed their franchise's whole culture since landing Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying that necessarily means that T Higgins is coming back, but I'm willing to, to wait and see. Uh, I feel like we've seen enough from this iteration of Buffalo and this iteration of Baltimore to, to know, like, yeah, I mean, you guys just had the best shots that you will ever have against Kansas City, and you couldn't get it done. And maybe, you know, maybe you just have, like, your supernova game once, you know, you you find yourself opposite of them again in the playoffs. But until that happens and until you do it, nobody's going to believe that, that you have it in you. And I don't know how we can expect Jacksonville to do that. Maybe Houston, maybe C.J. Stroud does, like, take the next step. Um, to where he can go shot for shot with Mahomes or whatever the case ultimately winds up being, go shot for shot against Spags. But right now, it would, I mean, 
there's there's literally one quarterback in the NFL who's had success against Mahomes on a consistent right. basis, and and you know kind of again in a head to head sort of way, and it's Joe Burrow, and it's a small amount of success, but it's more than zero, which is everybody else's. So I'm inclined to trust that the Bengals have the best chance of doing it, even though I'm not confident in it as a whole. I totally agree. I mean, it's proof of concept is what like you're talking about. Like you can, if you're a Bengals fan, you can be like, yeah, we can. It's possible. We can. We it's it's like. We can do it. If you're a Ravens yeah. fan, you can't feel that way. You can't possibly feel that way. No chance. And basically any other team, too. And I'll get on that more in my last point. Um, but we should get to your last question, RJ. Um, well, just let it be known, Stephen, that I gave your question love, care, and respect. Brandon was like, oh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to yours, RJ. No, I'm going to get to it. <laughs> um, so my last question is, and it's a weird one, but what is what is going to be the most, the, the thing that, like, most, like, that, that generates the most like, oh, duh, like we knew that. Um, and, and as an example, I would offer mm. this past season was Russell Wilson being awful. Like as that happened, we were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like we knew this, like the, the most why. And maybe you could say that the, you know, Aaron Rodgers being, you know, a, a, like headline nightmare for the Jets. But like that feels like it's in its own special duh box. But what is what is the most like hiding in a plate mm. sign thing that will become this big deal that we'll all be like, yeah, this was really obvious. I have an answer, but I'll let you both. This is like your um uh what's his name? Urban Meyer kind of thing, right? Or it's like the one thing that like yeah. everyone's just like, yeah, we all agree this is dumb or bad or like, yeah. like just the, the very one thing the internet thing. agrees on and that the yeah. internet will ultimately be right on. Oh man. <laughs> um if you mm. want, I can go and answer it and buy you both some time because I know it's yeah. weird. That's fine. I think it's gonna be the Steelers disappointing and Mike Tomlin, mm. not necessarily to your point, Steven, them kind of living in the early two thousands, like Mike Tomlin, not evolving. We're going to like the offenses were gonna, is going to be awful, even if they do trade for Justin Fields. And we're going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you thought Arthur Smith was the answer. Like, like we all, we all knew this was a really bad idea. Like this, this predictably went poorly. Uh, How so is this an off season question? Because it's relative to something that's going to like, you know, exist or, or process mm. over the course of the off season. I thought when I thought of the question, I thought, Brandon, you were going to say some team's going to talk themselves into Kirk Cousins being the answer, and it's not going to work. But you can't say that now. So I'm trying to think, like, what's like the most predictable offseason move that isn't literally like, you know, like Caleb Williams going at one or something? I'm trying to think, like, what's just so like obviously going to happen? I mean, I think the Vikings are going to keep Kirk. I don't think he's going anywhere to answer that part of it. Uh, so I'm gonna go with that. I am gonna go with that. I'm gonna say the Vikings run it back with Kirk. It's like, well, actually, you know, it's gonna actually work this time. No, trust me, he's great. It's gonna be good. And then they're gonna not do anything other than maybe win a playoff game at the very most, and then nothing else. And then it'll be very par for the course for them. Okay, Stephen, can you actually do some work and answer the question, please? Unlike so, Brandon. well, I kind of have two. First. I feel like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets is going to totally fail, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. But uh, <laughs> second, I feel like the Dolphins are going to give Tua an extension, and they are That's going to. Um, I, I think we've seen enough from Tua at this point. Like, yes, he's a functional NFL starter, but he's got serious limitations mm. um, in a way that you know other top quarterbacks in the AFC don't. But because of how you have to pay quarterbacks to keep them, I feel like Miami is just – in a tough spot right now where they don't really have an answer. So they're probably just going to give to a contract and they're going to regret it down the line. I yeah. what, I would add like, there's going to be like a moment, like a early October game where he goes off and people are going to be like, this is why the dolphins paid to And then it's just going to all unravel from there. Yeah. So, okay. So Steven, just before we get into this, can you verify we need a witness besides me 
that Brandon was like, I want to go last. My question deserves to go yeah, last. Because it's it the best makes one, sense. Et cetera, et cetera. That really happened, right, Stephen? For when this question flops. Yeah, that, I didn't okay. say it was the best one. Please, I just okay. think it makes sense to say it now because it's like, does any of this matter? Does any of these other questions matter? Does anything in the NFL matter? It kind of touched on this Stephen's last one. Is that the, is that the question? Then just like, because the, it's like, aren't the Chiefs just going, aren't they actually just going to win it all again next year? We're talking about a quarterback here who has lost, what, three times in the playoffs since twenty the 2018 season. Two of those were to Tom Brady. One of them was in overtime. The other loss was in overtime to Joe Burrow, who has been, like, pretty incredible in the playoffs, or at least really good so far. So, like, does any of this actually matter? Like, People are going to be like, oh, we have to take this player in the first round. There's going to be, like, intense debate about who the Eagles should take at number 2020 or 22 overall, or if the Cowboys should sign Derrick Henry. or like, And it's just like, or where T. Higgins land? Does any of this matter? Does any of it at all actually matter at all? I don't think it does. I think the Chiefs are going to three-peat, and it's just like we're all just kind of wasting our time acting like all this stuff matters, uh, changing uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. It's just, it kind of feels futile. Just to add to his point, Stephen, of the only, uh, the only non-overtime playoff loss that Mahomes has had was the Super Bowl, obviously, to the Buccaneers. And it led to the front office like aggressively attacking the reason why they lost that game. So like it, it was it, also it, COVID year, so like kind of weirdness. No, well, I mean, and it's my, Tom my, Brady. No, but but my my point is simply like they don't let like it's the homes of it all is obviously the biggest and foremost thing. But like the Chiefs are so well run and so and like so well equipped that like they can lose a game in regulation in the playoffs and say that's not good enough. Like we're gonna exhaust ourselves and exhaust our resources to make sure that this problem never happens again, which is why. Beyond Mahomes, which is its own massive thing, they deserve all benefit of the doubt. They deserve all trust. They deserve every single thing, Stephen. And then coming off, well, just again, coming off the year too that they did, like you talked about earlier, Stephen, like this was not a good year for them, even. And they had yeah. to play every playoff game on the road until the not Super the Bowl. Like the first was really cool. Oh, well, sorry. Remember? Well, okay. They had to play multiple playoff games on the road, which they had never done before. Again, like the point being, if they were not going to win a year, it felt like this year. I mean, even in the Super Bowl themselves, I'm hating this as someone who watched the Chiefs be incredibly sharp and crisp last year. And to their credit, you know, um, they took advantage of an Eagles defense that certainly was not great in the Super Bowl. But also, it wasn't even just like the 49ers were amazing entirely, which they they did play well at shutting down the Chiefs offense. The Chiefs offense was doing stupid stuff on their own. They like fumbled a billion times. Point being, like the Chiefs did not play near their A game and they won a champion, their second straight championship anyway. I think it still matters because we never know how seasons are going to unfold. And like the Super Bowl, they lost to Tampa Bay. Like if Eric Fisher doesn't go down in the AFC championship game, like I right. still think the Chiefs could have won that game. And somebody recently like made the point that, um, you know, e even with the the offensive line that they were rolling into that Super Bowl with, the fact that anybody thought the Chiefs could still win that game at all just speaks to Patrick Mahomes and like the confidence that we have in him. Because it, literally any other team with that offensive line going into that Super Bowl against Tom Brady, everybody would have been like, no chance, no chance is that team going to beat Tom Brady. And everybody still thought the Chiefs had a chance. And so I think like barring injuries and whatever weird right. stuff happens in the NFL, like you, you, you hope for some breaks. And right now the chiefs have the biggest difference maker and it seems like they catch the breaks, but really it's because I think their coaching staff is tremendous. And it's because Patrick Mahomes is the biggest deciding factor in all of this. 
Eric Fisher was the number one overall pick in 2013. Is that correct? Yep. I mean, it was imagine... uh, him, Jokel, and then uh, what's his name? Deion Jordan. And then uh, um, Lane Johnson. Imagine if, you know, someone had said like that night, oh, the, like 11 years from now, the, like the Chiefs are going to have won three Super Bowls. You'd be like, man, Eric Fisher, like what a great use of a number one overall pick. Like, like it's just amazing that like a decade later, the the like only number one overall pick wasn't even like a, a real factor in that entire run, which is just. Uh, and to your point, Stephen, that's why, you know, everything does matter because you have no idea how quickly anything can change in the NFL. Exactly. It does, and especially too, because you know, again, 49ers very like they they could have won that game. It was very close. It came down to the wire. So it's not like uh, it's they're you know, Chiefs are smoking everyone fifty to zero, and they have no chance. But it feels that way for some reason. It just feels the inevitability of Mahomes was especially, I think, apparent in the playoffs. And that's why I think we were all confident in taking them, especially after they beat Baltimore. Um, Steven, this has been a very Chiefs-centric episode, so I think you actually should ask the last question, and it should not be football-related. It should be any non-football question that you want. Um, You're really putting me on the spot here. Um, any question in the entire world. Any question. What are you guys going to eat for dinner? Uh, what are you going to um, I would really love to eat some Chipotle. I'm just like, wow. like if, I, if you were like, you can do anything in life right now. You can... I, I will transport <laughs> you anywhere. In life? Yeah, if you were like you, you I can you you have a, any, you have three wishes. If you have a magic genies, one of them would be Chipotle. What? I'm, I'm like that's in insane. That, that's an insane I'm, wish. I'm I'm like that. You know that hard. You could cure world hunger, that, and you're like, nope. I'm, well, I have I'm two other myself. wishes. You know what I mean? Like I have two other wishes. So you know, okay. and, and one of them would be for three more wishes. So I mean, you know, no, I can't do that. That's obviously uh, against the rules. I like um, Chipotle, but I, I wouldn't. Wow. I wouldn't well, waste a wish from a yeah, <laughs> That is crazy. Uh, well, I filibustered long enough to give you time to come up with an answer, Brandon. So what is I honestly answer? don't know yet because uh, my plans are up in the air a little bit tonight specifically. So kind of trying to figure that out. I is suspect and hope that pizza is in my future. Well, I think I'm going to make pot roughs. We'll see. Nice. Oh, Dude, well, you better get on that. Like, you don't have a lot of time. You know, yeah, between, I, I you know, might wait till tomorrow. That's why I'm not totally sure. That might be tomorrow's dinner. It just kind of depends on, on when I my day up. You you go on crockpot? Oh no, I don't have a crockpot. I usually just like slow simmer it on the stove. It's a little Monday football Monday tie in there with the crockpot. Anyway, wow, uh, TGIF. Um,